Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and what we like to do every single week is we like to gather the experiences and the stories of women who have gone before us, the women of right now, and we use those to guide those who are coming after us. So if you're in a season and you're looking around thinking, how has no one told me that this was going to happen or was going to feel this way? We want to make sure you know, number one, you're not alone because somebody, one of us, probably most of us have been exactly where you are. And number two, you're not crazy, but maybe kind of for other reasons, but not for this reason, right? So let that maybe be a comfort. I don't know. I hope. But a lot of times I will build episodes based off conversations that I find myself having over and over again. I mean, really, if I just hear myself repeating the same thing over and over slash feeling like I'm having the same conversation again, or you know, those last few brain cells I've managed to hold on to after three kids are finally floating away, which could very well be the case. Because brain cells float, right? I mean, that feels like the most logical way for them to move. But the point is, if I am saying the same things over and over, I feel like we need to have an episode and a bigger conversation about it. So that's what we're doing today. While on a few afternoon walks or over a McAllister's chicken salad, I'm hearing a lot of the same questions like, how do I separate my work life and my personal life? What does it look like to work really hard, but still able to come home and do other things outside of work? How do I grow into leadership positions without coming across as entitled or like I'm asking for too much? Maybe it's, I don't like what I'm doing right now. I'd rather be doing fill in the blank. Should I just quit? Now, those are just a few that I remember as I'm talking, but there have been a lot about leadership and healthy relationships at work and really how to be someone that others want to work with. Because if there's one meme that I see over and over again, and maybe you do too, it's like there's those coworkers, right, that we don't want to work with. And maybe if you're not necessarily in the work world, maybe it's like your spouse, you don't really want to work with them, which, okay, that sounds bad. I don't mean it that way. I mean that some days are harder than others, right? And becoming someone that others want to be around slash value being around, um, that takes effort. It doesn't always just happen. And it definitely takes awareness. And so that's a lot of what we'll talk about, because I've written down things that I find myself saying over and over as I'm taking, talking to those that are making their way in a work world that has a whole lot of gray areas, right? Not everything is black and white. Not everything is super clear how you should handle each situation. What is expected of me versus what are my personal expectations? And I know this veers a little bit off from what no one told me usually covers, but I love these kinds of conversations. Like the 20 some things that I'm getting to spend time with right now who are asking all of these questions. It means they just want to do well, right? They, it means that they have the humility to be like, okay, I don't have it all figured out. Something feels a little off. What should I do? And that's incredible. That's the best place to start. I wish I had asked more questions like this because If you know anything about my story, you know that I had a job that I loved. I mean, loved this job. Um, But I wasn't, I didn't like who I was anymore. At the end of the day, I would get home and I just, I didn't like who I was. And it was all of my own doing. And it was because no one pulled me aside and had these kinds of conversations with me early on. So what I did was I looked back and I just wrote down the things that I wish I had learned sooner 
things that I really only learned by looking back and evaluating what should have been different before I hit the bottom of my tank. So let's just roll in with one of the most basic that I learned through experience. So I recently had the chance to work with a client who asked the best questions. Okay. Now this sounds like, okay, great. They knew what questions to ask. No, it's not that they knew what questions to ask. They knew when to ask the questions. They knew when to ask the questions and not give the answer immediately. In every meeting I had with her or her team, she had questions that would invite the whole team to get to a conclusion together that they then turned around and made happen with a whole lot of excitement instead of with the overwhelm that can, you know, pretty easily come when you're taking on a big project. So what made the difference between a team that wanted to work and a team that had to work? It was questions. The best leaders that I've worked with all have one thing in common. They ask more questions than they make statements. Okay, but you don't have to be leading an organization or a team to start doing this. Hone the art of asking questions now. In every scenario of life, relationships, work, family, asking questions signals that you care about what someone has to say. You care about what someone thinks. You care about someone, period. I had a friend say the other day that her son asked her how to talk to people, which, you know, same buddy, really just the same feeling because the hardest part of adulting is small talk. Small talk. Am I right? Yeah. Like it's just, I'm not great at it. I really want to go, I, I can do the surface for like a second, but then I want to know you know, like, what's your deepest, darkest secret? Like, what, what's the childhood trauma you're carrying around? Like, how many times can I ask you about your job house and general opinion on candy corn before I really just want to get to the good stuff? But anyway, the answer to having great conversation is to ask really good questions. The ability to do this always pays off relationally and professionally. So start doing it now in your group projects. Maybe you're at a new mom's group, right? Or you're at a new small group and you're really just like trying to find community. Ask questions. It makes people realize that you care to know the answer. But the key isn't just in asking the questions, okay? It's in actually listening to the answers. So early on, way before my time, I got the opportunity to sit in meetings that were just way above my pay grade. Like 26-year-old me sat in a room with the top leaders of the organization that I got to be a part of as they discussed the problems, solutions, and the future of every department. Now, this period of time, it was invaluable, mainly because of the proximity I had to incredible leadership. I hadn't walked up to someone and been like, will you be my mentor? I didn't, you know, I wasn't listening to a podcast about leadership. I wasn't doing any of that. Hindsight, it was just the power of proximity. I just realized I was around great leaders and I wanted to know how they did what they did. Now, I wasn't invited into those meetings to share an opinion or guide the conversation. I was there to listen. If I had walked into that room fixated on proving that I belonged there, I would have spoken when it wasn't necessary, shared thoughts that weren't fully developed, and most likely would have left with the leaders in that room being less confident in what I could do. So whatever room, meeting, gathering that you're invited into, especially if it's your first time in that room, the wisest thing you can do is simply to listen. And if, if the attention is turned to you, ask really great questions. Don't speak in sure statements because you, my guess is if it's your first time in that room, you haven't gathered all the information yet. Watch and listen as the leaders of the room do what they have proven that they're capable of doing, which is lead. 
Spend less time thinking about what you're going to say and more time thinking about what's being said. Choosing to listen first and speak when asked a question, that is what builds credibility over time. Listening more than you speak makes others want to hear what you have to say instead of just waiting for you to stop talking. I wish, I so wish that I had learned that sooner. Now, thankfully, I had the discernment enough in a lot of these settings. I'm going to say it's the Holy Spirit that was just like, Callie, you have nothing to say here. Stop, stop trying to or thinking you should. Because sometimes the pressure of proving leads to saying things that you really can't make up for later, right? I mean, you just don't, what's the old saying? This is going to sound awful. It's uh, don't open your mouth and prove. No, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to get it wrong. Essentially, just don't be a really great listener, okay? But sitting in those meetings, it also taught me that the value of proximity to great leadership, that that is such a bigger deal than you know, seeking, spending endless time seeking out mentors or thinking you can't grow unless you have a mentor. Listen, I think mentorship, I think it's incredible. I think it is valuable. I think if given the opportunity, you should do it. But it's also just like a really great form of discipleship. If you want to learn, find people you admire and either get in a community group with them or ask them out to coffee or try to get in the same meetings they're in if you can. Um, I know that sounds kind of silly, but proximity is what taught me the most. Just proximity to leadership. No one was saying, Callie, this is how you lead well, A, B, and C. I just paid attention and I watched how it was done. Um, Because proximity, it builds your ability to take responsibility for something bigger later, right? So proximity builds your ability to take responsibility for something bigger later because you're seeing someone else do it first, do it ahead of you and before you. And one more note about performing on a team or for those who are hoping to grow and move up in leadership, how you communicate is just as important as what or why you're communicating. So not to be dramatic, but also I am a little dramatic, so just accept it. But I feel this like in my bones, What you say will either be accepted or rejected based on how you say it. So listen, your why can be incredible. Your why for what you want to do can be the most earth shattering, heart wrenching, moving, get me in that boat, puppies on the screen, making me cry and give all my money. I mean, it can be your why can be absolutely just out of this world incredible. But if you demand people be a part of it, Instead of inviting people to be a part of it, you're going to be a one person team. If you create an environment where only you know the right answers, only you know the best way, and the majority of your conversations are pointing out mistakes and failures and why your way is the best way and every other person's opinion is garbage, no one will want to work with you unless they have to, right? You're going to fly solo. Well, you know, you'll run a team of people who dread sitting in a room with you if you are the one in charge. Because they're pretty sure that they'll walk away feeling like they stink at what they do and end up in an identity crisis that will result in, you know, a Ben and Jerry's American dream in the most recent season of Love is Blind. And you don't, you don't want to do that to people, right? You don't want to do that to the teams you're serving on. So don't be the reason that they turn to Ben and Jerry for a future. Know the people you're working with. Okay. Even if you're not leading them, maybe you're the project manager. Okay. Or the coordinator. How you ask someone to do a task 
will really define how they do the task. You know, will they do it with excellence or will they do it with just enough to get by to cross it off a list because they have to, because it's for you. So take the time to understand them. So when you have a really powerful why to invite them into, you know how to do it in a way that leaves them just as passionate as you are. So to know how someone needs to hear something doesn't just require an understanding of the person. It requires what I think may be two of the most valuable attributes someone on a team can have, specifically a leader can have, which is empathy and self-awareness. My most favorite leaders that I have gotten to work beside, the ones that I reference back to all the time, the ones that I will think to myself, how would so-and-so do this? They are the ones who took the time to understand the people that they were serving with and themselves really well. They're hyper aware of what a room feels like when they walk in. But you don't have to wait until you're leading to develop this skill. In my experience, the people other people want to spend the most time with are the ones who understand how what they say and do impacts those around them. So if you were to be like, hey, Callie, what do you wish you had learned faster professionally? These next two are at the very top of my list. Along with that midi dresses with flats combined with my short legs, they would just always give more Miss Frizzle vibes than Sophia Ritchie. So just, you know, tuck that away for future reference if, if you're a short leg girl like myself. But okay, these top two, these were the ones that popped in my head first because they're the ones I keep coming back to, but I saved them for the end for reasons unbeknownst to me. Here they are. Here's the truth. Especially for the most driven women, there is always a risk of wrapping up your identity in your work. And it's especially hard if you love your work. It's subtle. Most of the time you don't realize that this identity swap is happening. When I first started out, I was always available and always willing to jump in because I had the time. So why not? What I didn't realize was I was setting a personal precedent. I was establishing a norm and an expectation with myself that as I got married and had kids and developed more relationships, I could not maintain how I started. But I felt like I would be failing if I scaled back, if I adjusted my approach. So I pushed harder. Who I was as a person was so deeply defined and tied to what I did that the thought of letting any of it go caused some super deep anxiety. And I've said it a million times. An idol is anything that if removed, leaves you unsure of who you are. So if you took away my job, I would still be a lot of things. I had so much going on in my life. But if you took away my job, none of those things matter to me as much as the job part. So over time, you'll start to notice all the things that are vying to define you, okay? It might start out just being a job and a title. Then it can turn to relationships or likes, comments, shares, other people that you're connected with. This world wants to tie our confidence to something tangible that's easy to point to, that's easy to feel comfortable with. But the God who designed us defines us. The God who made you equipped you. And if he equipped you, he will position you to do exactly what he wants you to do. It only gets cloudy. We only find those gray areas when we position ourselves, when we overwork ourselves, when we overwhelm ourselves. The only way to keep this identity trap in check is to keep the definer of your identity in front. If God's in his rightful place, 
you'll be in the right place. That only happens, that can only happen if you have margin, space to breathe, to examine and to grow. Fight for the margin. Fight for it. Don't lose it. Take a breath. Look around. Do you have margin in your life right now? For me, margin meant unpressured time with Ryan, with my kids, and this is the real margin, with community. I would count scrambling to make dinner and get it on the table, then getting everyone to bed as time with family. But all of it was on a timetable. All of it was pressurized. I had zero time for people. And I love people. Like, I want to smother people with how much I love them. But I just, I didn't have capacity for them. And I wondered why I didn't like who I was when I got home, right? Fight for margin. Set a point in your calendar. Make it, make it an alert. Make it something that pops up on your phone every three to four months where you ask yourself, what feels like too much? Why does it feel like too much? What one thing needs to change? And this may mean boundaries, which funny enough, leads to my next big ticket item. No one is going to make boundaries for you. No one's going to wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to ask less of Callie today, or I'm not going to text Callie on a Saturday morning with a quick work question. No one's going to wake up and do that or say that. You have to create your own healthy boundaries. And please, for the love, do it respectfully. And once you have some credibility, okay, don't, don't abuse this or you'll never be able to actually use it. I, I fear that some people <laughs> roll into conversations and are like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm creating a boundary. You can't contact me after this time. And boundaries adjust with seasons, okay? Because I think that seasons of life come with busier requirements. Um, okay, for example, I served at church for a really long time. Easter, my boundaries went out the window. Now, healthy, not healthy, doesn't matter. It was game time. And this was what was, we all knew we were going to go hard. And then we were going to take a break. Um, so that was something that I knew, my family knew, we just adjusted and were prepared for. But the one thing that was a red flag to me is, I kept saying to Ryan, let me just get through this season. Let me just get through this. Let me just get through this. And I would get through it, but then something else would be coming down the pipe, right? And it was my excuse. I thought, pridefully, oh, I've got too much to do. I can't, I can't create margin for you right now. I've got too much going on. And, you know, a big part of me, and this isn't even in my notes to share, but I was having, I was truly having this conversation before I hit record. I think right now as a generation of women, I think, you know, my age and younger, maybe the first generation who really want to do both. They want to work at a job that they love and are passionate about and make a difference with and impact people with. And they want to have, you know, a, a husband and kids and a home life. They want to do both. They don't want to pick one or the other. And a lot of environments are not built to accommodate that or to champion that. And that's hard. That is so hard. I tell people all the time, the biggest thing no one told me about having kids was how hard childcare was. Childcare is, my gosh, it feels impossible some days. Like if I have a babysitter cancel on me, I am almost debilitated because I'm like the whole schedule is thrown off and it's laying at my feet to figure out how to make it work, right? 
So you're going to run into environments where you're going to feel like you can't have both, but the truth of it is you can. Remember what we said, if God has called you, he has equipped you. And if he is in his rightful place, you will be in the right place, regardless of what it requires. So all I'm saying is, if you are a woman in your 20s, maybe, or your 30s or 40s, I don't know, and you're listening to this, and you think you have to choose between this or that, you can either work, or you can be at home, but you cannot do both really well. The truth of it is, you can be called to both places, and you can knock it out of the freaking park. I know it's true. I, I have lived it. Now the enemy will continue to make you question it. And we'll throw a lot of guilt at you and people will say things to you like, you're never going to get these years back. And it's well-meaning comments. They're not helpful comments. What I know with confidence is if God has called you to both places, you can do both really, really well and your children will be better for it. Your home life will be better for it. But only, hear me, only, only if you know what margin looks like, only if you're creating these healthy boundaries. Because setting these boundaries, it starts with a conversation. Because if you don't set with the boundary, set any boundaries, here's what the enemy likes to do. Okay. If you don't set boundaries, he is sowing seeds of discontentment and bitterness because people are asking a lot of you. And every time someone asks something else of you, you just get kind of ticked off. Am I right? You're like, are you kidding me? You want something else from me? I'm already doing so much. That's a little bit on you. Because you have not had a conversation with the person who can help you create these boundaries and maintain them. So sit down with whoever will help you maintain them and simply say with so much respect and honor, I want to keep loving what I do. But could the text on a Saturday morning maybe be an email? Because getting the text makes me feel like I have to act on it immediately. These are healthy conversations. These are honoring conversations, both to you and the people that you work for and with. And these are fair conversations. And it probably wouldn't hurt if before the conversation, you sat down with someone who loves you and loves Jesus that could help you determine if what you're feeling is a you problem, a company problem, or maybe a combination of both. Okay, so what does a healthy you look like? Okay, your version in your head, imagine, okay, what is a healthy me look like? When I'm at my healthiest, when I feel my best, what am I doing? Are you taking walks, sleeping well, eating good food, spending quality time with the people you love? Okay, now what does an unhealthy you look like? You have to be able to recognize what an unhealthy you looks like. So you see the red flags. Are you rushed? Do you have this like low grade anxiety underlying most of your day? Is it long hours and just quick food that you can grab on the go? Know the difference and do something before you wake up with chest pains from stress in the middle of the night. That's a true story. Also, don't Google chest pains at 2 a.m. because the prognosis only causes further chest pains. You know what I could have called those? I could have called those stress pains. That was a wasted opportunity. Okay, those are the things I wish I had known sooner slash how to be a person others want to work with. I don't even remember what the name of this episode is. I mean, or what it was supposed to be at this point, but you know what I mean. Oh, and one last thing, and I have to tell myself this a lot, discomfort doesn't mean disobedience. I feel like my generation is quick to cut ties if there's discomfort and then we chalk it up to it's just not what God wants for us because we aren't like pumped and excited and filled with joy every single day. Hey, obedience, it's usually uncomfortable. So before you quit, check your priorities. Is everything in its rightful place? 
so that you can better know if you're in the right place. There are growing pains, and then there are going pains. Growing pains means you're being stretched to a better place, and what it takes to get there doesn't require you to change who you are, but it brings out the good of who you are. Going pains mean you're being chipped away at, and it's requiring you to change who you are while bringing out the parts of yourself you aren't proud of. If at the end of the day, you don't really like who you are, then maybe the prayer needs to shift to if it's time to go. All right. Now for real, that's it. Was that beneficial to anyone? I know it's a little outside of NOTM's norms. And these really are conversations that I wish I'd had so much sooner. So that's why I just felt like we had to have an episode about it. Now, did I know that it was going to be like a 20 plus minute episode? No, I didn't. But here we are. Because again, I love these kinds of insights because I wish I had had them. I didn't. And I only have them now because I can look back and see where I got it wrong. So if you're related to any of this or you're better for hearing any of it, send it to a friend or share it with someone else who needs these conversations as much as I know that I did and honestly still do. If you have any questions or you want to go deeper, hey, shoot me a DM to NOTM podcast over on Instagram. I always love to talk more about it. You know that thing I said about smothering. It's, it's honestly very true. I love you guys so much. I'll see you next week.